welcome to the Yang Gang Roundtable. It is Saturday, November 28th, 2020. I'm here with Ariel, Faye Doni, Faye Koo, our guest Gina, and Mia Songbird. Um, we are a basic income advocacy podcast. Uh, we're all basic income advocates in our own right. Uh, so I'm going to hand the uh, virtual microphone over to Gina to have her introduce herself. Please uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. That. That was- um- <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, who, uh, it's nice to meet you. Please tell us about yourself. Good to meet you all. All right. Well, um, I came to be here today because uh, I volunteered with Faye. Uh, I met uh, Faye Doni, that is. Uh, Faye, we met in Iowa. I kind of ended up going to, kind of ended up, I ended up going to Iowa to volunteer with Sorority of Yang because it was, I was like, oh, it's like a, couple hour bus ride away. Like I have a free place to stay. I've never done anything kind of like this before, but you know, this this could be fun. It could be like, you know, some networking stuff and all that. Kind of just like fell into things, met the coolest, most amazing people, ended up meeting up with them in Nevada as well. And then pretty much since then, it was like, like getting back from Nevada, starting to get back into work. I work in restaurants in town um, and then things just like completely falling apart, as you can expect. Um, so that that's a place that I come from uh, very much is the the restaurant uh, industry, the restaurant scene in Chicago. A lot, you know, like um, chef driven restaurants, the kind of ones that are like you know on the James Beard and Michelin sort of you know hopeful scene. Um, And I really, really love the community. It really uh, carried me through graduate school. Uh, For graduate school, I uh, did design. So right now, I'm kind of like I'm a designer, and I'm trying to work on design for, um, for food and beverage and whatnot and bridge that gap between the two industries a bit. Um, So then an offshoot of that was, or at least for me, was the Love Fridge. Um, which is a mutual aid program here in Chicago. Basically, like the the elevator pitch is we set up publicly accessible refrigerators around the city of Chicago. Um, We try to have them be 24-7 accessible. Um, We fill the fridges with food, uh, and people are welcome to leave what they have and take what they need. And we've only been in, uh, like, working together as a group for, I want to say, three months four months what month is it it quite the baby when you first talked about it yeah it was a very much baby what the reason i found out about it was because um one of my friends who's an artist we have uh the fridges that we set up we set them up uh you know wherever but then we try to get local artists to paint them so that uh you know they, they paint you know free food comida gratis all of that stuff you know on the fridge and like you know a lot of uh muralists and graffiti writers and stuff and i'm a friend i'm friends with a lot of those kind of people one of my friends painted the very first love fridge which is at um a place called mars community brewing in bridgeport in chicago that's kind of like south of downtown uh not necessarily like a really um uh, a really needy area in and of itself but you know it's kind of like a crossroads and it's also you know, the people at mars were really really enthusiastic and really wanted to help us start setting it up so I noticed that he had painted this fridge and I was like, that's the coolest idea I've ever heard. Oh my God. How do I do this? How do I, I love Mars brewing. I love those guys. Like, what do I, what do I do? So I just like reached out to them as soon as I could and was like, this is amazing. How do I get involved? I want to help. Um, and 
it's kind of gone from there. We've uh, we're a very decentralized group. Uh, the Love Fridge Chicago, like as an organization, is really just kind of a loose collection of about fifteen to twenty core organizers, of which I am one. Uh, we try to work um, in a very uh, democratic way and in a very um, like really like an anarchic way. In, at, in the end of the day, because it's like, uh, you know, hey, I need this right now. And people are just like, yeah, I can do that. Or, you know, people are like, hey, does anybody know how to do this? And we all just kind of like come to each other when we need things. We have a few people who are working pretty much full time uh, doing things like distributing food to fridges. Uh, we have a lot of community partnerships with groups and restaurants and stuff. This is all like, I mean, scratching the surface. So that, that's the general intro to the love fridge. I just got to say, I love it. I love it. There's a few more things I didn't actually know about. So like the artist, like, oh, I love that. that yeah. Not just well, we, with food. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's one of the beauty, the beauties of the way that we've styled it. We're not, we're not a charity organization. First and foremost, we are not charity. We are mutual aid uh, mutual aid is kind of like becoming more of a term. I actually hadn't really heard that term until I started working with the Love Fridge, but I had done things that were basically mutual aid before. So uh, if you have ever heard of Food Not Bombs, that was a thing. Uh, it started in, I want to say the 80s or not, maybe even earlier than that. I don't know when it started. But like when I was in college, uh, I lived in a house where we would get donations two times a week from a grocery store in the neighborhood. And we would save all of that food. Uh, we would eat some of it. And then on the weekend, we would set up a table um, in the neighborhood nearby and give away free food. We'd make a big meal and then we'd, you know, make produce bags. And we were filling up a, like a sun, okay, like a sunroom in a Rogers Park apartment is about the size of maybe like, a very, very large New York studio apartment. Let me put it that way. Um, and we would fill up that sunroom every week, like full to bursting with food, like more food than we knew what to do with. And this is just from one Whole Foods, like back a little while ago. Um, so that was like my first brush with that sort of idea. The, the idea of we have all this food, it's going to be thrown away anyway. Let's just give it away. Like all we have to do is like find a way to get this food into people's hands. Which very much ties into the idea of the scarcity mindset and you know all of these kind of things. We can we can go anywhere with yeah, this conversation. Problem we're just trying to solve. The real shame to waste food when people are hungry. The real shame for you know to waste money when people are poor. <laughs> very, so very my grandfather. Issue. This makes me think about what my grandfather does. So he works part of a um, uh, a thrift store that also collects food from the local Safeway. You know the local food store. And uh, they make bread boxes and they give it to homeless people. You know, one one box per family. I mean, uh, he complains that certain families grab more than their share, right? And he's like grumpy about it. And I feel like your form of it, right, releases that like, this is how much you get. And there's like no, like, you know, it's easier. It's more fluid. And um, I think what he does mm -hmm. is amazing, right? I think what you guys are doing ama is amazing. And I think regardless, I'm happy people are being fed, right? <laughs> hey, you've become very quiet. Most definitely. I'm not I can hear you pretty well. Your microphone or what? I'm quite quiet. There you go. Can you hear me now? Wait, are, I'm quiet or Faye is quiet? Faye is. No, it's about the okay. same. No, don't worry about it. So I'd like to um, ask, how are they like set up? Are they out in the open? Um, 
And if so, do you experience any vandalism or anything like that? Or are they pretty well, you know, respected by the community because they are understood and to be a service and that sort of thing? Like, how are they treated in the community? So that is a fantastic question. Um, Hold on. I've got to get this cat out of my way because she is trying to climb on my computer. And I don't want that to happen. One moment. It's so warm, though. So warm up there. What? It's so warm up there, though. I'm sure the cat is just. Wait, it's warm. I mean, on the computer where the cat, oh, where, where the cat wants to be. I'm sure. That's... <laughs> I was like, it's 35. Today. No, it's not it's that just... warm. It's just really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind me. Please continue. Of course. So, um, that's pretty. That's one of the first questions that we really get. Is like, you know, how do you, you know, well, first of all, like, you know, where do we, where do we accommodate the fridges? I'll start with, you know, where do we accommodate the fridges? Um, mostly it's been partnerships with either local, uh, restaurants or sometimes local community organizations like churches or community centers or other kinds of missions. Um, so most of our fridges, we try to make them 24 seven accessible. So they are set up like uh, in Mars, they are like at the loading dock. We've set it up there. They're plugged in. All of the, all the host has to do is to provide the electricity. Uh, we've even provided like the extension cord. Like I think when we set up our second fridge, somebody was like, Hey, we just realized that we need a really, really, really long extension cord for this one who can help. And everyone just kind of like PayPal, like $5 and somebody went to buy it. And then somebody showed up at Moreno's to plug the fridge in. So that, that's a very, that's also very Yang gang. Like in terms of like, you know, everybody like on the Twitter chat, like, Hey, who can bring signs to XYZ, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we've also then, at first, you know, we're just setting up the fridges. Then we started building, um, our goal before the winter has been to build uh, shelters around the fridges. We build like a little roof for them and some shelves off to the side for dry goods and things like that. Uh, We're experimenting with some different stuff in that vein. Um, And then we have the artists, you know, paint the fridge and paint the, um, uh, paint the shelter. We also have like signage and whatnot that we hang up there that uh, have things about, you know, food safety, like don't put raw meat in here in the uh, bottom of the fridge, only frozen meat, you know, little guidelines like that. So when people approach it, um, it's already uh, we also have fridge man like fridge managers who will check in, you know, periodically over the course of the week. Uh, but beyond that, it's really about just you know setting a standard. And when people see this thing and they see that it's well taken care of and they see that people are actually going there and taking things and leaving things, I really believe that people are inclined to keep that up. And then another part uh, of that is uh, being able to work with these uh, either community organizations. For for instance, um, we've partnered with a group called uh, Pork Ministries, uh, which is on the south side. They are actually uh, Franciscan Capuchin Friars who have a... Um, community center down there uh, and they're really really uh, into the Chicago back of the yards community they do a lot of mutual aid and outreach and community programs already so uh, by connecting with them they know they and the people that they work with in their neighborhood know better than anybody what that community needs so it's also about giving uh, when we put up the fridge you know making sure that people have a sense of ownership that uh, the people in the neighborhood know that okay this is we're not just coming in here and dropping this this is your fridge and if everybody takes care of it, then we're all going to be good. Like we have, um, we set up another one on the south side recently. And uh, one of our volunteers, Manny, was down there making a drop. And there was like, like some little girl just like ran down the corner and like opened the fridge and was like, what do you want? They've got 
they've got apples. They've got like, she's calling down the block to her friends to like, tell them <laughs> what they have. And she like grabs something and then goes, but like, you know, people are so just a sense of community ownership has kept the fridge safe and not yes. like vandalized or plundered or anything like that. Yeah. That's remarkable in, in this country also, where there's pretty much very little community, you know, in, mo- in most places. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, there are, there is the community in those places. They're just not as, uh, visible maybe if you're like looking top down if you're like like in a big picture way at the city like not a lot of people are going to be talking about these like smaller community churches Mm -hmm. that have been doing you know breakfasts like free breakfasts for years or something like that so we really want to you know tap into those and uh, build community with those people um what was i going to say about the oh the other thing is uh with uh having the um murals and uh, the art on the fridges Uh, is also a big um, preventative of graffiti uh, or vandalism uh, that isn't like art or whatever, because there is kind of a, I mean, I'm a big fan of graffiti writers in the city and stuff, and there is an unspoken um, sense of community respect that, you know, if somebody who is an artist has taken the time to paint this thing, then, you know, trying to mess it up is a real dick move. Like if you'll pardon my French, like it's, you know, it's that it's against the code of the streets as yeah, it were. It's all, if you feel like so, the people in your community are like, people care about. Them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I almost feel like you guys should partner with people who do free libraries too. And then just like make it this little like buzzy spot where like you can have some share resources, you know? So like, may I go ahead more on normal people in there? <laughs> may I go ahead and uh, share uh, I would like to share my screen while looking at some of the photos of the beautiful fridges that you oh, yeah. have. Is that all right? Please, Please do. Um, Love to tell let's see you. if it will work. All right, that's your website. And um, can, are you able to click see on, it yet? Uh, click on Watch Stream. Yeah, if you hover over Faye's name on the left, get the option. There we go. I've got it on our stream now. There it is. All right, so that very first fridge on the left that I see with the that's kind of tall. It Hold on, I'm like waiting for it to load. Oh, okay. Oh, it says watching stream. I can see it. I can see it like when I hover, but I can't see it in the uh, layout here. If you click on it, what, then what happens? It's still coming up as loading when I bring it up on uh, the thing proper. But I can see, when I hover, I can see the picture that you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so can you see the uh, tall fridge on the left with it's a little bit green on the top and red and black yeah. on the bottom? That one, I believe, let's see, the tall fridge on the left. And I really wish this would get big for me. Hold on. What if you double click on it? Are you on a laptop? Oh, I got it. I got it. All right. Yes, I believe that off the top of my head, I believe that 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 tall green one is uh, literally at someone's house on the south side. That may be the Englewood fridge. Um, I don't remember seeing the paint job on that one. But you can see we have our little like information. I see your pointers there. You've got your little information sheet. Um, This fridge was like a commercial fridge that was donated to us. So it has that like nice plexiglass door. We've actually, we've been uh, donated like a full on um, florist size fridge before that we have one that's at a, at a farm on the South side. Okay. So all these, uh, the fridges are donate are donated to you and yes. uh, the materials for building these uh, enclosures also 
and artists have decorated them. Mm-hmm. And this info sheet tells you what, how to use it. Can you describe how people are supposed to use it? So it basically, well, it says that, you know, take what you need and leave what you have. Um, it has uh, instructions about if we have prepared foods going in the fridge, they must be packaged and dated. We're not like accepting just like random Tupperware full of potato salad. But, you know, if you bought a Tupperware from of potato salad, like from Jewel from the grocery store and like it has a label on it and stuff. Or sometimes we also have uh, restaurants who package stuff themselves and like label and date them. But um, it also says uh, no meat uh, or no, no uh, raw meat in the fridge, only frozen meat in the freezer area. Um, it also has the base that we usually have um, either inside the fridge or in the little, I believe on that one there, the shelves are on the other side. We'll have uh, some sanitation supplies. We ask that people, you know, after they're done, wipe down the handle, wipe down the fridge, make sure uh, that there's nothing expired in there, make sure that there's nothing else that might be questionable. Uh, and beyond that, uh, do you guys do provide a, a trash near it so people could do that kind of work as they go or like the stuff gets thrown away later? We do. We have a trash can integrated on some of these. We've also, I think you can see on, if you go to the, the fridge that has the veggies on it, that one has a um, trash can right next to it there, that black. Thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, the black trash can. Okay. And I see that this, these other two here seem to have a pantry that is not uh, refrigerated. And you can put the canned goods and things that are, are um, like fruit, even, it looks like. That doesn't Anything that's dry or doesn't need to be refrigerated. Um, also, people, even before we asked people to do that, people were already leaving things like some people were putting books in there. Some people were putting, you know, personal care items, uh, diapers, menstrual products, um, PPE products, things of that nature. That is so oh, this great. One with the, this one with the beautiful lady on it is um, at Stone Temple which is a historic church in uh, Lawndale, I want to say, on the south side. And uh, actually, that church, the Stone Temple, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. spoke there back in the day. (laughs) That's so awesome. I really like the art because it makes it, like, come to life, you know? (laughs) It's kind of nice. Yeah, it makes it extra fun. It's also fun to have when we have people go out to paint the fridges, kind of becomes a little a little meet and greet of its own. People come by to see what's happening. They learn a little bit about the fridge and all. It's also like an opportunity to talk about the community through the style of it, you know, like the individual areas. Each one of these is tailored to the specific place it's at, as opposed to, you know, being forced into the space. Yeah. Do do you know ethnic, different types of ethnic foods, like, uh, like in certain neighborhoods, or is it like... That's awesome. Yeah. Actually, if you scroll back just a moment, there's a green, like a lime green fridge that I can show you with the red. Yes. So that one is at uh, Moreno's, which is a, a very long running local liquor store that is in um, Little Village, which is a historically uh, Mexican neighborhood. Uh, so we actually do have, we keep track of, you know, there's certain fridges that need tortillas more often than others. There are certain fridges that, you know, need certain thing. I know I'm talking about setting one up that's in um, a very uh, Chinese and Vietnamese neighborhood. And we've already started talking about, like, if we do that there, can we make sure that we have, you know, ingredients that people know and recognize? <laughs> um, also, the, the Moreno's fridge is interesting because that's one that uh, is not 24-7, 
but uh, we were able to fit the fridge with casters. The entire um, thingy, including the shelter, is on casters. So they bring it out at the beginning of the day, and then they put it back into, like, their little, like, uh, you know, uh, vestibule and stuff at the end of the day and lock it up so nobody messes with it. They weren't able uh, 24-7 in a safe way, so that's how we accommodated them. That one solution makes it uh, make so many, opens up so many more locations, wouldn't it? Because that could be potentially a problem at a lot of locations. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, I just wanted to say hi to Joshua, who has joined us. Hi, Josh. Hi. How's it going? Good. Uh, we, we really enjoy the photos of these great uh, free uh, love fridges that are in Chicago right now. It's like awesome, so, by the way. Uh, yeah, no, I yeah. Uh, I think it's cool because Josh is part of a tribe, and his tribe during this pandemic has uh, also tried to do things to get away from food scarcity. Uh, you want to share a little bit about that? Oh, definitely. Uh, well, I was talking to Josh. Um, Josh has been getting your, uh, his time. Oh, Josh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no. Oh, okay, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we've done for like food scarcity is nationalize our product line. Um basically turning all our meat and agricultural products uh, and giving it to the citizens, which is pretty cool. Um, and then we, uh, we're working on, like, our own, like, miniature, like, farming systems, too, so. Like, uh, urban farming. That's awesome. We have pretty, we have a good partnership with, actually, a lot of urban farms, and we've seen a lot of urban farms, not just, like, you know, big you know, more established types of farms or like, you know, indoor, you know, warehouse type farms that are, you know, friendly, nice businesses, but also a lot of people who just, you know, tend a small community garden that's like in a vacant lot, they'll come by and they'll put their extra produce in the fridge. So um, if people wanted to start their own love fridge, uh, how, how would they go about doing it, Gina? Well, well, we were first inspired by the community fridge idea has been around for a little while. I think the first ones may have been in up in Berlin or the first ones we heard of. Uh, but that, that was a, definitely a thing that was going on in Europe. And then our founder, uh, my friend Ramon, um, was directly inspired by a community fridge program in New York. Um a good way to look that up is uh, com. It's like the f- fridge, but instead, but like with free in it. I've posted it on, I'll put it on Twitter again, uh, but the fridge actually keeps track of community fridge programs. We also have a live stream chat. We have a live stream chat in the Discord channel if you oh. want to put it there as well, and then we can make sure we have it. I've been looking at this chat. But, uh, yeah, I think if you wanted to start a love fridge of your own, we actually, we have people in the city who just, like, heard about us, started their own, and we were just like, sweet, we'll add you to our network. Uh, People just, you know, DIY it, uh, which is very close to my heart. Um, But uh, good good resources are uh, places like the fridge. We took a lot of inspiration from them and got a lot of uh, information about how they figured out how to do their fridges and how they, you know, worded their information and all of those sorts of things. Uh, so my, my recommendation to you is if you're interested in doing something like this, all you really need is the desire to do it and like the tiniest little bit of a plan. And you just got, you just have to find a place for it and uh, do it. 
do it yourself. <laughs> well, I think it also yeah. takes a little bit of chutzpah because, uh, you know, uh, the question that people will have on their minds is, am I going to somehow to try to do something good and then be punished for it later, right? Because of people who might litigate over some issue or some food safety, um, you know, guideline that hasn't been followed. Uh, was that, did that, um, I can see it didn't stop you, obviously. It can, you know, the people who uh, decided to do this together, um, you know, came from, it sounds like you come from like a design, a design background. You're a really good artist. Mm-hmm. I can tell from the photo you took, it just had so much personality. <laughs> um, so, I didn't take that picture. I had someone take that for me. Uh, what do you think so about the legal issues? Yeah. I guess the question so we is actually yeah. on, on our team, we do have uh, one person who is a lawyer who has helped us uh, formulate that kind of stuff. We also got information on um, I don't off the top of my head. I'm hesitant to start giving you like names of policies and things like that, just because like I that is not my wheelhouse. But uh, there are precedents in place for, you know, being able to give away free food without uh you know, open your, opening yourself up to litigation. But also as we've grown, we have had, you know, one or two issues with uh, things. One of them, we got, um, it was in Hyde Park, I want to say, near University of Chicago, which is a slightly, I mean, it's on the edge of some poorer neighborhoods, but it's uh, totally, uh, I mean, it's University of Chicago. Like that's where, you know, all the professors live and stuff. So uh, somebody got a complaint from the city, like at our thing there. And uh, kind of what we just decided was, hey, we weren't, we had to move this fridge. We're looking for a new location. We're going to do our best. Sorry about it. But, uh, you know, we're just going to, it's just something that we've had to um, deal with. Because, I mean, as you grow bigger and as you have more fridges, I mean, of course, you're going to have somebody who has a problem. So we've been pretty good about, um staying on top of those issues and nipping them in the bud and communicating with the right people, communicating with the, with our hosts and uh, with other people in the community who can help us uh, navigate that but, when we but, need to. I, I just want to jump in for a quick second. Um, You guys, so everybody can know what we're doing and what we're talking about. Josh is saying, um, please, you know, share all these uh, things. If there's any kind of links, if there is any kind of thing, like share it on your own uh, thing. And, and uh, yeah, and, and Gina, you can do it too if like she gives you the, uh, the 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 links and stuff because it's it's nice like like it's nice for other people to hear uh, what we have to say and like if we're all just talking like together. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I yeah. would like. Yeah. No, I'm not. <clears throat> About how many people does it take to get this going? Like you said, it just takes a little bit of work. How easy is it to get together a group if you? Like, where would you start in getting people together to volunteer for this and then maintain it? Because that's important, too. You can't just, like, have people who are coming in and have the will to do, like, a little bit of this or a little bit of that. You need a group that sticks together, right? True. That was one of the challenges was uh, as soon as we started um, talking about it, everyone was crazy enthusiastic. And there was kind of a process of we had to, like, wait for a minute and see who were the people who were actually, like, trying to stick around and continue doing the work. I mean, we appreciate everybody who's that. We have a Slack channel. We appreciate everybody who's in our Slack channel. But we have about 15 to 20 people who are working, uh, doing most of the work. And I'd say we have maybe, like, five or six people who are driving and doing fridge things every day or every other day. 
but those are also people who are displaced by COVID anyway. So, you know, they're, they're just like, whatever, I'm just going to do this instead for a while. Um, in terms of like how to get one of these started, I'd say, I'd say you need, well, you need a fridge. You need uh, somebody who has a general idea of like handyman type stuff who could uh, either help you hook up the fridge or uh, build a shelter if you need that. Uh, you need a place to put the fridge. It could be on your private property or it could be uh, an, in tandem with a local restaurant or a local um, organization who has the space for it and who has an appropriate place to like, plug it in and all. Um, and I think the the next step then is, you know, having having one or two people who will check who you know who are in your group will be checking on the fridge periodically uh, a couple times a week to go through and make sure things aren't expired, make sure it's clean and all of that. So that is what the bulk of the volunteerism is right now, is actually just maintaining the fridge and making sure that it's clean and uh, safe and all of that. Um, I saw uh, this uh, great great press article that you guys have up here that says you ha- there's a study that one in six Chicago households can't afford both bills and food. Is that something that you're aware of? I haven't seen this particular article, but it does not surprise me that uh, there is such a crazy disparity. Uh, One of the things that we've uh, started talking about or in terms of uh, the conversation that we're trying to promote, because it's not just, you know, the give, I mean, obviously putting food into people's hands is amazing, but it's also the the, eh, the message that the fridges are carrying. Um, so what, one thing that we've been trying to do is, you know, we talk about food insecurity or food, uh, food insecurity because food is not scarce. We have an abundance of food. It's just a matter of getting it to the right people. And then we're also trying to move away from the idea of the food desert and into this idea of food apartheid or apartheid, however you want to pronounce it. Um, in that it's something that's being done to people that, uh, you know, this is something that is happening to people that the the powers that be are making choices that are making them food insecure. So when we talk about Chicago, we're not just talking about the people who live on the North side, like me, not just the people who live downtown, but you're talking about huge, huge swaths of neighborhoods on the South side and the West side that are physically cut off from the rest of the city and who are largely forgotten about by the rest of the city. So I'm Get, going to guess that most of those one in six households are people who live on the south or west side. And most of our fridges, we've been trying to set up on the south and west sides for that reason. So I think that's that's probably telling not just for Chicago, but the rest of the nation. I mean, that article focuses in on your city, but uh, it's happening all over the country. In our town, it's um, Palestine, Texas is a uh, small town in East Texas. We have about, I don't know, 20,000 uh, residents like uh, when they calculated 10 years ago. I don't know how many we have now. And um, we, we are, uh, we don't have enough. Uh, we have a lot of uh, different organizations just like Chicago trying to help uh, keep us all fed. <laughs> and it just seems like uh, if only we had a universal basic income, we wouldn't have to be so concerned about all of this activity trying yeah. to get the food and matched up with the people. Not only that, um, um, EBT like doesn't serve people who are like diabetics with like diabetic friendly food, 
And also a lot of places don't um, deliver for um, EBT cards. So it's like, you got to be kidding me that like, you know, they're, they're like we have Jeff Bezos who could build his rockets to Mars. We can't put a tax of like 10% of those rockets to Mars or like a yacht or a jet just for people to just like distribute, just, just have enough to buy like quality food and there's a difference between just going to the cheap fast food place to get like low quality food than it is to get some produce which is a bit more but not by that much but it's like we 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 do this it's like we have this fake scarcity there is no scarcity it's all in people's heads you know yeah amen again it's like uh the article mentions not having enough money i think to, to buy the food. It's not that there's no food in our country. That, to say that there's a lack of scarcity, it's just the just bashing people up with the means to actually get the food. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it all goes back to, I mean, just think, thinking back to an entire sunroom full of food that, that would have been thrown out that came from one grocery store. And just thinking how that is replicated over and over and over. Every grocery store, you know, every restaurant, you know, every like... Uh, so many. It's just there's so much food. It's just a matter of getting it to the people who actually need it. In in some countries, it's, it's actually illegal to throw away food, right? I know that there. Yeah, there's some. Uh, I don't know the particulars of like the legal stuff about that, but I know that there are a lot of um, legal uh, barriers for um, businesses that you know maybe they would just want to like stand on the street corner and hand out their food but that's not legally viable for them. Like as a business for those reasons, like I said, the legal things are not exactly my wheelhouse. So I Uh, hesitate to say anything specific. Well, Well, I mean, I mean, uh, if we don't know of a country that actually has that law, we could do a mind experiment and just think about what would that be like if we had that law in like one city, like you're not allowed to throw away your food. What would happen then? But uh, I mean, it would be pretty weird. (laughs) Yeah, that is a, that yeah. Is a really useful thought experiment. That would be a good like. Yeah, I mean, if you, were, if you were doing a TED talk on like food scarcity, you would be like, yeah. like a ma- that would be like the opening. It would be like, imagine if it was illegal to throw away any food. Entire business models. Yeah. What's What's really What's like, really the dumb buffet model like, would be done. You know, like the golden corral like, wouldn't exist. Chinese buffets like wouldn't the, exist. Just Just the right factories. Out factories can just create this stuff like crazy so it's 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 like it's it's that but it's like but but it's like the robots are the ones working but the they're they're not they don't need money so it's like tax the robots <laughs> it's like you know it, it, it doesn't make me because because like you know you know um henry ford said i want everybody who works at my uh you know t-model things to, that, that I want everyone who makes cars to be able to have enough money to buy a car. Now, 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 do you want that same factory robot arm to have the ability to buy a car that it doesn't need? Tax it. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the strangest things about uh, the way we've set up food in our society is the fact that you can have somebody who's living three houses down from somebody who's got so much food they don't know what to do with it. And somebody right next door who's practically starving to death, doesn't know how they're going to make it through the month and have them not know each other and not be helping each other. And like, it's, 
it's so strange that we haven't found a way to distribute this better before now that it takes something like this for us to go, wow, we should, you know, be trying to make sure everybody eats. But, but also think about it. We can help other people understand what's actually nutritional. Maybe they've only been exposed to top ramen, right? And now they have the opportunity yeah. to have fresh food. I mean, oh. if there was recipes of the week or something too, like people could be like, whoa, that was really cool. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's odd we haven't solved the problem. I see clearly why we haven't. It's a very profitable problem for a lot of people, you know? A lot of people profit. It's because it's disappointing. Yeah, oh, because well, I mean, yeah, well, well, I mean, this is what I said. They said, like, we're, we're really trying to put band-aids on solutions that need, like, a tourniquet or, like, an operation. But the band-aid manufacturers aren't going to like that because they sell the band-aids. <laughs> it's like, you know, because if your whole business so, model is sending band-aids... Yeah, that's that's a ghoulishly accurate surgery. metaphor. That's terrible. And I, it's, it's perfect. Gina, do you guys use some metrics to uh, keep track of your successes and uh, also possibly like how much food is being wasted um, even through this, you know, like people put stuff in there, nobody takes it or, you know, do you have any, uh, are you guys keeping any sort of uh, metrics on these things or how much food has been, you know, taken from the fridge that actually, you know, become more useful again? So we, we've actually just started on this. We've had some interest from, uh, like, some graduate school people from, uh, say, like, DePaul and um, uh, University of Chicago who are interested in helping us come up with, you know, ways to track our data uh, systems of um, uh, QR codes or, you know, being able to crowdsource, like, you know, what, what fridges have what, what fridges need what. Uh, so that's something we're exploring right now. Um, overall though, in terms of food that gets placed in the fridges, some of these fridges, the food is gone in the first hour, like, or most of the food will be gone in the first hour. It's actually really like people have started using these on the regular people tell their friends, people like there's obviously like some group of like little abuelitas somewhere who are all texting each other being like, there's more fridge and there's food in the fridge. Come on over. So yeah, to me, do you guys have commercials for this to like promote it or anything like that? No, we've uh, we've gotten quite a bit of press uh, from local press as well as, a, you know, some like things like uh, radio. I did a radio interview a little while ago for like a local syndicated radio show, Voice of Chicago. Um, uh, and a lot of it has been through Instagram, honestly, because uh, a big part of that is that um, – the restaurant industry in town has become, has really like retreated to Instagram as like, that's where everybody is doing their like gray market. Like I make cakes, somebody order my cakes so I can, you know, buy Christmas presents this year, things like that. So that, that was kind of where it started and it still works in that. Um, is that the restaurant or is that um, actually more like a cottage foods at home type of thing, like individuals wanting to make a few bucks in order to afford Christmas? Uh, those are all like cottage industries. Like a lot, that's, I mean, or we call it, we've been calling it like the gray market is like, you know, a lot of these people, like people who were working at uh, restaurants beforehand or who were chefs at restaurants beforehand who are now making stuff and selling it or, you know, providing it on a mutual aid basis or, Oh, hi, cutie. <laughs> That's my seven-year-old. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
He's playing um, game. Trying to be quiet for us. Uh, where was I? I was saying, as I was like, we were talking about how everybody had retreated to Instagram. Yeah. 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 So, but so that's been a, a big locus of local organizing for Chicago in general, specifically for the restaurant or like people, the restaurant diaspora, if you will, uh, in Chicago. And uh, that's really where the, uh, the love fridge started promoting ourselves. So we're getting to the point of, uh, you know, a greater. This is all, uh, this is, this is all volunteer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what did Andrew Yang say? And like, everybody thinks like, Oh, you stop incentivizing work with money and you give a UBI. Oh, everyone's going to stop because they're, you know, then what do you call this? It's like, everybody thinks that they're, they're going to, there's going to be like a collapse of society if no one gets anything, but people take care of people and don't get paid. People are doing this volunteer work and not getting paid. And then the universities are always telling you work in an internship, work for free. They keep bashing that into your head. So it's like, can we at least have a UBI? Because someone who's in dire poverty without a UBI probably can't afford to have that internship because they need to help their parents with the bills, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say that, that idea of like, you know, um, that general idea also goes back to, I mean, it goes back to my Yang Gang experience uh, and uh, advocating for UBI as well as this love fridge experience is that each other people know what they have to do to put food into people's hands and, you know, take care of their communities. They just need to be able to do that. And to do that, you need a little bit of scratch to get it started. And and there's also like habitat. Some people just love the learning experience, even if they're not getting paid. Like, uh, what what, what do you call that? (laughs) Right. What what do you call that thing? Like habitat for humanity, right? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's like school is work. And young people don't get paid to go to school when they have to memorize the whole bunch of things and study like crazy. Let me tell you, there's su- the things I did in school were much, much harder, much, much more complicated and required much, much more effort than a lot of things I did at a paid job. Agreed. <laughs> you know, you know, and we don't get paid for that. And then, they does, and then they don't match up to what you're actually going to need to know. Yeah, Whatever yeah, job you get, you're going to have yeah, to need on, yeah. the tra- on the job training anyway. Right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about the experience at the sorority of Yang House and how, like, there was this beautiful, like, working together to make the food and people were teaching people how to do things, you know, skills of like, oh, here, you need to learn how to edit. Let me help you. Um, do you think there's any way that like something like this could, um, also be like, um, interconnected to programs that maybe, uh, recreate the sorority of Yang house or like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, in terms of like, like creating, I mean, this is kind of buzzwordy, but like creating like an intentional community that then is, you know, working certain projects. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I think that's definitely a model that I, that's kind of what I ended up in when I was in college and we were doing food, not bombs. I mean, it was really more of just like a, a house that you lived in and we also happened to do food, not bombs on Sunday. Um, or then you have the, you know, sorority of Yang where we all came together to knock on doors and kind of accidentally ended up creating like 
a startup accelerate like a community, like a policy and community and uh, all kinds of things. If you make work like something people want to do instead of have to do, they don't mind. It's it's not like they, the, the the reason why people hate work so much is because they're like, oh, this again. It's 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 because maybe it bores them. It doesn't fulfill them with a sense of purpose. And then people say like, no, it's about money. There are people who get paid tons of money and they, they're miserable. And there are people who hardly get paid anything and they're so happy. So it like we have to separate that. It's like, oh, but if we didn't pay these people, they wouldn't show up. You're showing up. A lot of other people are showing up because there, there's a difference between just being able to feed yourself and house yourself and pay your bills and a sense of fulfillment you get from doing something that you know is helping out. And people people aren't naturally selfish and, and looking to like push people over. We have a dis- incentive designs in our system that that get the sometimes the sociopaths and the psychopaths and put them on the top because it incentivizes you know walking on each other instead of helping each other yeah exactly yeah it incentivizes it it puts way too much emphasis on there being some kind of hierarchy like this hierarchy between you know there are the people who have the ideas there are the managers and then there are the workers who are the doers when in reality it's like we all have ideas we all have this is something i've talked about also something i've also talked about um and been interested in lately because there's a lot of conversation going on about restaurants right now since a lot of us are out of work um but talking about um this overly militaristic like brigade system sort of idea where you have you got the chefs and the managers who are the idea people and everyone else are just workers right. and they don't have any ideas worth entertaining they just have That's to do it yes you you and you know the amazing part of it is this is that if you're on some kind of form of welfare and they're seeing you going out into the community and helping your community they're, they're gonna say you're not disabled why are you helping people out we're gonna take money away from you what the hell <laughs> That, that that's like the dumbest idea and and it's like you tell a conservative you say hey like you're pro work well these people are working and the welfare system wants to take pull their money away what is that what they're the working, hell is that working. like i mean it's almost like people like doing things yeah it's like it's like oh oh they're 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 on this welfare because they don't want to work yeah. well you know if you gave them a ubi they would just get the money anyway and do the work and not have to worry about it being pulled away so 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 i mean all you pro-work conservatives hello <laughs> like you know totally and then they got yeah and then you kind of like with the you know welfare and everything I, we've always talked about like means testing being such crap and it just being like well yeah then you don't have to be like keeping an eye on these people that you're so suspicious of that whether they're getting their money or not who, who punishes you for for like helping other people and trying to like give more of yourself it's the dumbest thing in the world it's like if you want to be like a helper in your community we're going to we're, we're going to take away your help because that shows that you don't deserve any help because you're helping others. And it, it, didn't we say that this is a government of, by, and for the people? So when the hell did that happen? You know? Yeah, it's really, it's, it's, it's unconscionable, it's unethical, it's, it's backwards. It's just dumb. Bottom line. Yeah. It's important to that a lot of people are doing work that can't go and do traditional work. Um, a lot of people are 
stuck taking care of elderly family members, so can't go to a job. A lot of people are stuck taking care of disabled family members. A lot of people are disabled themselves, but are trying to find a way to start a business that works around their hours and their time by making their own. And that requires money and capital to make that lift off the ground. So there's a lot of work that is happening. People are working and just not being paid for it. Even in the cases where they're not, you know, going out and getting a job. We shouldn't expect everybody going out and getting a job to survive because there are a lot of jobs that we have that don't work that way, will never work that way, but still need to be done. And then I see that there are these people, like, I see a movie like Wolf of Wall Street, and he's, like, throwing midgets at, like, a, at like, at like a target thing, and they're, like, all getting drunk and high and, like, sexed up and doing all these drugs, what conservatives hate, mind you. And they're, they're just making tons of money, just playing with other people's money like it's a toy. And, and they're, yeah. and, and what the hell is this? What, what is it contributing to? Who is this feeding? Who is this helping? Who is this making houses for? <laughs> Bullshit. I was going to say, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Mia, because, uh, that was one of the things that, well, I think like the thing that got me interested in Andrew Yang as a candidate was the, in the second debate, how he like on stage in front of God and America and the whole world said that there is unpaid labor being done by, by, by women and, uh, and caretakers and everything. And I was like that, that was like, it's a bedrock, like feminist concept, like the double day and the unpaid labor and everything. And I, it blew my mind out the freaking window, like to, have heard that from a presidential candidate candidate. I was like, you are kidding me right now. Did he really just like bring this up? I've never heard a politician bring this up before. This is what crazy. about, what, what about like inherited wealth and landowners or, or trust fund babies? Like they're not doing anything. They just won the genetic lottery and it's like, congrats, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, what do you, Oh, I own land. It's like, okay, how do you work for that? Like, what do you mean? I own the land. I'm just like bring it's like, <laughs> Some of us got into a uh, Twitter argument with uh, Nick Kokonos, who's the managing partner of Alinea, um, very famous restaurant, once or twice called like best restaurant in the world, you know, very, very fancy haute cuisine sort of thing. Um, but we got into an argument with him on Twitter about, well, I wasn't necessarily arguing with him. It was mostly uh, Amy and um, Christina, who are amazing. Oh, and uh, um, Caroline, all from Sorority of Yang. Yeah, I love Christina. I was thinking she should be in on this call right now, man. Right? That was one of the things that uh, we said, though, where he was like, I don't understand. He was like, oh, so, like, whatever. I don't understand how UBI works with that. And, you know, we were bringing up, you were like, yeah, you need to be able to take financial risk. Kids with trust funds, like, kiss away money all the time on risks and crazy ideas and stuff. All of these other people, like, people, other people have ideas. They just don't have the capital to be able to pursue them. Yeah, and, not, and, not in, and, like, and, and how can you be a how can you be a capitalist without capital? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So so it it, it all kind of like ties in. It's it's pretty pretty sad that people can't open their mind. Like like I, I have nothing against a person who like makes a billion dollars as long as like there's no one on the very very bottom who's like worried about food and shelter that i mean i mean that's it i mean that should just be like cover it's it's like i you know i don't care you know and and i think that's really what separated us 
from some of these other like ultra progressives a little bit because they like we're not here saying like the rich are bad and they're evil and they no I I don't mind if somebody's rich it's just that why should someone be suffering so much when there's so much abundance in our society that's what I have a problem with if you want to live your life and like go on plenty of vacations and have a jet or a helicopter and a penthouse and all that stuff have at it but let's just make sure that person is isn't without shelter So the big thing I think is, as a nation, collectively, we need to look at the things that are inevitable human needs in modern society and figure out ways that we can share that stuff. The whole take what you need, leave what you can thing, because these are things that are important for us. I mean, just even using the bathroom, right? This is an inevitable human need. To eat is inevitable. To lay down and sleep somewhere is inevitable. These are things we must focus on as a society collectively and make sure we know the proper care and feeding of humans and and do our best job at it. You know, if we have stray cats in a neighborhood, there's probably still a crazy cat lady feeding them, okay? They still need food, right? Like... And, and and when you make the work of like helping people and building these shelters like fun and exciting and something that like brings people together, then then we can have a UBI because it's like people are, are just gonna be doing that anyway because it's in their nature. Let's just let the people but but then but then when you when you like put this boring bureaucracy in front getting in the way of like helping people and making their lives better, why would you do that? Why would you create unnecessary complications for no reason that's like going to a dog yeah of this story i heard about this uh community that built these tiny homes for the homeless people in their area and it was beautiful people were taking good care of it they even had like a little electric heaters and spaces like that and because of ordinances and uh problems with the governing offices in the area they tore the whole thing down after all that work was done when it was improving the space, when it was making lives better. And Wait, they, they tore it down? We live down. in a society that does that. That's terrible. Yeah, a stupid one. That's terrible. Yeah, like, like that's... It's terrible, and and it's like, and it's like, look, if you if you want to make these laws, then how? But are you helping these people get anything or making their lives better? It's like, no. Then leave, then leave the people who want to alone. It's like, well, you know, yeah, that's, like, like that's, let us create the baseline. You can level up later, but don't fucking waste the energy that has been given. Right? You know, if someone right, has a yeah. tent that's falling apart. You give them a better tent or give them, you know, a small house, right? Like level them up and make sure they still have that baseline. We all need a baseline. <laughs> Otherwise, we're falling through. Yeah. And, then, and then and then and then like Yang said, we pay for all not having all these things on the back end with like our prisons and like our healthcare and emergency rooms and stuff like that, which cost us like way more. Like Benjamin Franklin said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. We're always going for the cure. We're never going for the prevention. It's like, it's like, Hey, you know what? Like they drank the motor oil, but maybe it would have been better if we put it out of their reach to like prevent that from happening, you know? And this is what our society is. It's like, just drink the motor oil and then like, we'll pay for it later, but like not, prevent it from happening um yeah. i would and then it costs us more money and then that person has already been hurt or affected or right. in whatever way and then that's a whole bunch of new problems that they have to deal with instead yeah. of just having those problems being a non-issue in the first place well right. think about it like we are like we're car owner 
who's been running it into the ground instead of doing regular maintenance on it. And we're like, oh, that noise will go away eventually on its own because that's how cars work, right? No, we're like literally running our country into the ground. And at some point, you know, (laughs) we either have to have someone who really knows what they do are doing or get a new car. But this is a country. We can't exactly just get a new car, right? No, no respect for the other generation. It's like the boomers were like this bull in the China shop, and then the millennials just walked in, and then the the, the shop owner is like, "Okay, it's your time to pay for it." It's like, God damn it! Like, what the hell? <laughs> you know? The millennial, no, the millennials walked in, and the store immediately went into liquidation because right, yeah. it was closing. Yeah, exactly. And all the good stuff was taken, and all we had left were like slip covers that don't fit the chair we have and stuff. Right? Like, yeah. Good times, guys. Good times. Yeah, they, they, yeah. That, that's actually funny. They showed that, like, Biden is going to go into, like, a White House with all these, like, Big Macs and ketchup on the floor and, like, stuff like that. It's gonna be... yeah. I was going to say, the, um, we were talking about uh, moving away from, you know, the, all of the bureaucracy and everything. That kind of ties back into the, uh, our, we've been talking about mutual aid principles and how mutual aid is different from charity um, in that, you know, uh, it becomes, like, Charity would be, you know, we, you just, it's, it's patronizing. It's just, you know, I, I don't mean like charity, everyone who does something charitable. I mean, like in terms of the difference between that and mutual aid, it's like, you know, you're dropping into the neighborhood and you're, you know, you're giving everybody a new pair of shoes and then you're piecing out and, and, you know, everything. Whereas mutual aid is very much the like teach a man to fish. sort. Of, it's like, we're, give a man a fish and teach him to fish sort of thing. Right. But, but then if somebody created like a robot that takes all the fish out of the ocean, then it's their like thing to like say like, okay, I'm, I need to use this robot wisely because I already told you it, it's like, it's like creating a robot that takes all the fish out of the ocean and calling everybody else lazy that they're not getting the fish. It's like your robot took them all. It's like, dude, you know, let's be you're reasonable. Your position with your robot over at the reservoir. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like we 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 got to be reasonable. We got to understand that, like, it's not. Some people, I say, they're not lazy. They're lost because maybe maybe they want the training. They don't know where to get that training. They want to work, but they don't know where to get the work or who to talk to or how to interview. Because just wanting work doesn't get you a job. There's so many steps of like application and networking and all that stuff that they never talk to me about in school. Very seldom. And then they just, yeah, yeah. I think so. So, so it's like, that's where I'm at right now. Right. Exactly. And we got to address this. We got to say like, Hey, excuse me. If we went through like 12 years of like public education and another four years to get more, you got to be bullshitting me that you're saying like, oh, sorry, the jobs are all out. And like, we really yeah. screwed that up. Like, give me a break. All right, I forgot to tell you that you have to schmooze these exact people. And then, you know, it's and, and, and look, look, when when Trump was speaking at the RNC, seven other people there with the last name Trump speaking to you think that that that's a that's a coincidence that because there's so much nepotism too and there's like oh this is my son or this is my niece and they have the job they may not even be qualified but i just give it to them that's not meritocracy yeah. at all yeah yeah that's so, right it becomes, yeah it becomes this weird like hierarchical and hero and celebrity worship and like we and nepotism and all of that when it's yeah. 
Yes, yes. 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 All kinds of other industries when it really, really should be, it should be a community. It should be right. right. And, a and, then, of and then, right. And then some of these like celebrity worship and like uh hero stuff turns into a cult. It's, it's like, it's like a cult. That, that, a cult is not a meritocracy, just blindly following someone, no matter what they say, just so you can accumulate brownie points so you can make yourself look good next to the manager. Then like, why did we escape? I mean, disattached from Britain and stuff because we said, hey, this doesn't work. It can't be like the king is like above the law and they have like all this disproportionate amount of power and we're just left to like go from their whims. But we've replaced kings and queens with like CEOs and like managers and like bureaucrats and, and nepotism and all this stuff. And it's like, hey, like that's not the American way. Like we've lost it, you know? <laughs> It's like, oh, we're not we're not allowed to criticize them because they're job creators and they're just like the best they're, brightest. They're not. They're actually job. De- yeah, exactly. they're, they're, they're job destroyers because ro- they, they replace you with a robot. They've destroyed your job. They've automated away your job. They've destroyed their job destroyers. What, what, what the hell are we worshiping? If they, if they get our- and before they before they replace you with the robot, they tell you you've never had a good idea in your life. Right, right, exactly. If the robot, if they can see that the robot can send them, save them two cents, it's like that's two cents every hour, and for like a whole year, that two cents accumulates. They're like, okay, let's say you, you, not to um, demonize automation too much. It's not automation's fault that it makes our lives easier and better. It's our fault yeah, that we. It's the mindset it. around it. It's our fault that we don't um, adapt and start caring about each other more than we do about old traditions and thoughts about how work should work. And the idea that we think that people need to work to be worthy of being alive in general. Like, I don't. The whole entire process, we should yes. be entitled to be alive. We should be entitled to be alive, whether we are working or whether our work is play. However we choose to be part of a community, that should be enough for each other, particularly with the direction our society is moving inevitably towards. Work is not a thing we should even be like trying to extract from humans anymore. We should be away from that. We're not doing what we are capable of by a long shot. Well, but you know, what's kind of beautiful is like the projects like the fridge project. Okay. This, this came out of a necessity and it's been growing and, and people are banding together and evolving these ideas, you know, and people are activating, right? That's the biggest thing. People are activating left and right, um, whether they can afford to or not, but there's a necessity regardless. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people who are activated are like, well, shit, I can't be a bystander to this if I know how, what I need to do. You know, and a lot of us, uh, we might be unemployed now, right? But it doesn't mean our like skill sets went away. Right. They're still part of who we are. And so now we can refocus our energies to these new projects and evolve them. And then when you work with other people, like just beautiful things. And and let me, and let me also tell you, if you are unemployed and you're listening, it was not about your work ethic because even, even if you showed up on time every day, if you did the right things, if you didn't create a mess, if you weren't like nasty to your coworkers, none of that matters because this automated process can save here and there and here and there and you're gone. Whether you were a good employee or a bad employee, it doesn't matter. It saves the money and you're a cost 
they see it's more efficient, you're gone. So a lot of people blame themselves for like not having work or not having anything to do. It's not about that. These companies just care about their bottom line, but people internalize they're being laid off and they do it inward. Oh, I must have been lazy. I must have not been good enough I, uh, because of our stupid culture that doesn't tell us the truth. Well, and then, you know, there's also this thing of I need the money for this. So I I went to this wolfing farm, uh, you know, for Thanksgiving, essentially. And there was a neighbor that had a farm with broccoli and tomatoes and peppers. And I literally got to pick the food for Thanksgiving, okay, from the farm to the table, right? And, um, you know, I didn't have to pay for that food. It was a community garden, essentially, because it was the neighbor's house. But like, you know, at this other place, they have chickens and goats. And, you know, they got all these eggs, they give away the eggs, there's too many of them for them to eat, you know. And it's just like this, you know, to hold on to this food would be like, you know, yeah, I got six dozen eggs now. Um, you know, I, I need the money. That's great. Okay, fine. If you do need the money. But, you know, if you're, like, letting them rot because nobody's buying them, that's the issue. So then you want to give it away, right? Especially yeah, if like, you're the one who owns the chickens or whatever. That's, that's the thing. Which- you know, what I loved oh, about some European cities is that there was more of a sense of, like, community. They're, like, small and they're, like, it's easy to walk in. And, like, people kind of know each other. But, like, you go out west in some places in the United States, everything is, like, a big box store. Like, there's no nice place to, like, come together and talk and, like, get to know each other. It's, like, miles of road and, like, a bunch of big box stores. And it's, like, what the hell is that? Like, th- this isn't fun. That's they're, like, fun. food museums. You can go in, you can look, but you can't touch unless you have the money. <laughs> yeah. Right. All yeah. the prettiest fruits are on display, all the prettiest boxes with their shiniest wrappers. But remember, they're not for just touching. They're not for you to have. At the end of the day, if they go bad, they're garbage because they were never meant for you to eat unless you had cash. Right. Yeah. It's pretty pretty sad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just and 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 then and then it's like, oh, but if if like you can have some of this like uh uh, fast food stuff because it's at least a little bit cheaper but it's like in the long run doesn't really help you that much <laughs> well okay so i want to talk about this farm that i was on too like you know um i went there and they they raised the pig the duck and the um goose that was used in the thanksgiving dinner okay they raised that um, but then, you know, they sent things home with other people and the leftovers went to the pigs, you know, like, uh, of the other kind of foods too, you know, like the pigs just took care of it. And so it was like this, like, even the animals can still benefit after this, you know, <laughs> but like, I don't know, people go to that, uh, farm and they stay on the land and they get their basic needs met, you know, they get housing and they get food they get experience, like, you know, um, and people are okay. And some of them, you know, uh, artists can take residency and propose, like, what kind of art they want to do, you know, and stay there for three months. Um, some of these things are paid, not everything, you know, and there's um, uh, resources available for people to tap into these. And I almost feel like we just need to get all the homeless people kind of on board with stuff like this, because guess what? Then they can learn the skills they could use in their own life. You know, it sounds um, kind but, of like a kibbutz experience. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> what is that? I'm sorry. Um, I think it's like it's a, a, go ahead. It's a Jewish communal farm, right? Uh, it oh, seems like I'm a not common saying. experience for young people to seek out as they're uh, as they're um, heading out of their uh, like embarking on their their adulthood journey, right? As I, you come I, I out was, of high school. Like a pilgrimage. You were? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, then you could tell yeah, us more yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, uh, I knew Ariel would be able to. I It was a crazy experience. Just like my, my dad like was telling me that like I like adventure and stuff. And uh, it, it's going to be great for me. So it's, it's like a farm in Israel where people kind of like work the land and stuff like that. And, and you learn Hebrew too. But like I, 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 I was driving me nuts because everybody there was like a hippie. They were like smoking and drinking and being all like that. I, it just didn't jive with my personality. I'm a bit of a nerd, not really a hippie, but it was it was fascinating. People from all over the world coming to this place in Israel to like learn Hebrew and like learn farming and and all this stuff. And and we had these like. That little little like houses. It's 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 it was actually an ulpan. That's where you learn Hebrew. But that that that's amazing, Faye. That you know about the the. You have Jewish friends that told you, or did you just? Look I was it up? married to someone who was Jewish, so my children, my two older children, are half seas. <laughs> Except right. of course, oh, since okay, I'm not okay. Jewish. Okay, so that <laughs> so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because because it is it is that that thing. Yeah, so so that's cool of you. But but that's what built Israel when like Israel was coming up because most of that land was like swamp and stuff, and it wasn't really like thing. And they it, they just like worked the land. It was it was pretty amazing, like what they did with a little bit of grit and passion and stuff like. That. Well, you so know, how long do you sign up for when you go to a kibbutz? Well, I, Sorry. I, it, it it was six months. I only lasted like six weeks. I had to. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. what happens if you're like I have to leave? What happens then? Uh, well, no. Luckily for me, I I, I I had I, I actually have a really really old YouTube video about my kibbutz experience, and I was not happy. I can actually like share that with all of you. Pretty funny. But like, thank God, oh, I had okay. I, I I had family in Israel, and they caught they came and they got me, and I I just like spend the rest of the day there. Oh my God, it, it just brings back so many. Memories. I'm gonna I'm gonna share that video, but but <laughs> but because because like my roommates didn't it, it, it respect my personal space, and they were coming, and there there was this English guy, and they were walking into my room while I was sleeping at night, and I had this fridge. Remember, I went to bed, and it would bang on the door while I was seeing, and I and I couldn't sleep, and then I woke up, and they, they were love like fridge. These these, these birds, <laughs> these birds are like. Chirping, but it but it was it was it was funny. It it was it was interesting when I look back on it. But it was it was just not for me. I, well, I, just, I know that. Yeah. I'm sure I know that feel. I'm sure that there's a lot of different. Like depending on the kibbutz you end up at, there's a lot of different. You know, uh, characters and whatnot. I'm sure a lot, like a lot of them are, you're, you know, you're you're one, the farms and stuff. You know, have you been uh, on you, one? You were on one. I was at. I was not, I'm just, I'm familiar with the concept in terms of it being like a model for like, a, like an idea of communal living and sustainable farming and all of those kind of things. So right. I wanted to bring something up too, though. Like, um, so, uh, Gina, you know, Christina, but like, um, we, uh, were talking and she was talking about how you could stay on one of these farms, uh, for a certain amount of time. And, uh, like, there was almost 
as she talked, a progression of how you could get your own land. It would take several years, but like if you, um, I think it was like three years, and then you could get like a not at this particular farm. I don't remember the specifics, and I want her on so she can explain all this, <laughs> right? But um, essentially, uh, you could like start wolfing uh and then you could build up his skill set and eventually you could get grants if you stayed around for like three years to get your own land um and uh like it was just this almost um you would have to commit to it right and i my biggest question i was like how would one start and like the sad thing is they're like well uh inherit land you know like i'm like oh god that's terrible but that's kind of how it is these days you know but these people went yeah. on to this farm that was just trees, right? And for nine years, they were building and adding plumbing, and they were learning all the things. And one of the things Allison said, who owns the farm, it's called Habitable Spaces. Anyway, she's like, you got to learn everything yourself, because otherwise you won't have enough money, right? Like, you have to learn. And I thought that was kind of a beautiful sentiment, because like, if, if you don't take the time to learn something, and you don't have money, it's not going to get done. Yeah, it does help to have a community, whether it's like already set up for you at the kibbutz or if you've got all if you inherited the land and you gathered together like six or seven of your friends and decided you're all going to learn how to install plumbing in the wilderness and stuff. But yeah, a lot of that is I mean, if you do, you either have to have the money or you've got to have uh, a bunch of really, really awesome people who are going to help you figure it out and DIY it. Well, what was cool is, like, Christina was in one of the original tents on the land to help build this, right? And so she saw it before. I actually talked to Christina about this, and I really need to. Dude, I know way more about restaurants than I do about, um, like, farming in particular. I mean, mean that's why Thomas Paine came up with his agrarian justice. That's what he called his original proposal in this country for UBI, because it's like, look, like, the land doesn't belong to anyone. It was there before we were born. Like, it didn't speak into, like, uh, uh, the stomach of a mom and say that this, this is, this, I belong to this kid that's about to be born. Like, it didn't, it's land. It's just under our feet and we're walking on it. So it's only fair that if we have these land you know, you know, the, the land that people have that they pay a rent to the rest of the, 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 you know, the, the people of the world that what they took, you know, because well, the other thing too, is you get connected to your food source. Think about it. We are so disconnected. People are like, you know, wh- where's the origin of that package of meat? And they're like, Oh, you know, the store, you know, there are some kids that literally don't know where their food comes from. They just assume it appears at the store magically, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's kind of sad. I was going to say that, um, actually, no, this is what made me think of earlier is Faye, you said something about like, maybe they only have been exposed to top ramen. Uh, my friend Manny, um, who volunteers with Love Fridge said that they delivered a bunch. Uh, they had a bunch of um, butternut squash that they delivered to a fridge uh, somewhere on the south or west side. And somebody literally was like, I don't know what this is. Like, how do I cook this? I've never cooked, like, I've never seen this before in my life. And Manny's like, oh, I, you know, I just cut it up and put it in the other. But like, literally, people, like, that's a real thing. People are, they're not just disconnected from where their food comes from. They're disconnected from fresh food. That's about the whole thing with, like, doing the fridges and having it not be just, you know, random distribution and stuff is being able to have fresh food and for people to 
maybe for the first time in their life, encounter a butternut squash and then decide that they like it. And then maybe they'll buy a butternut squash later and eat it and it'll be great. When I was like 13, I had this huge preference for packaged food. Like I was just like kind of learning to cook for myself and it was just all the worst possible things, of course, because that's the easiest stuff to prepare. And also I got really into the precise mathematically calculated nutrition. And I was like, oh, it has a label. I know what's in it. Fruit? I don't know. What's in it? Who knows what's in fruit? Could be dangerous. Gonna stick um, with the Chef Boyardee. That's safe. You know, it's like, yeah. that, that yeah. was a terrible mentality. And, 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 here, oh and here, here's what you, you, UBI, you know, you know, like, like it, I, I, I love like doing experiments, like a scientist seeing what goes where and what does what. UBI is like a, enough money so you can experiment with different things. Maybe this thing right there is really, really expensive, but you're not going to know if you want it or not. So you can save some of your UBI money. You try it once and then maybe you say, hey, I don't like it, so I'm not going to use it. Or maybe like I like it. But if you don't have that initial thing that you can just try something, then you're never going to know like what could that have led to? What if, 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 you know, you know, like, like just, just money for like a travel expense to like go somewhere and like understand a new way of living just, just, just to kind of have that ex- like people who are, who have more experiences are like wiser. So we're not doing ourselves any favors by like taking away money that they can use to kind of experiment with and see what's what. Well, you know, Oh, sorry. Um, I was going to say that that also ties into uh, what Andrew was talking about uh, during the primaries about how um, that uh, poverty or or living without access to, you know, things that you need ultimately takes a a mental toll on you. And I think that really, really gets expressed in food. When you're stressed out, you're not going to try and figure out how to cook with leeks for the first time. You're not going to like be experimenting with that kind of stuff. You you're going to go for the Chef Boyardee because you know it'll fill you up. It's comforting to you. You can eat it fast, whatever. You don't have to think about it that hard. Right. But, you know, maybe you have a little bit of extra money. And for the first time in your life, you're not suffering with food insecurity. And maybe you do want to learn how to make potato leek soup this time. And, and, it's not and just then the it, individual suffers because, space. you know, instead of going to, like, the, the local cafe and spending, like, $10 on a meal, you're going to go to McDonald's where you spend, like, 4 you know, and also, well, okay. So when I went over to Faye's house and stayed with her, like she she made food I've never even heard of or fathomed existed. Okay, and she made me try things I've never tried before. Okay, and like some of that was like mind blowing. Okay, so now now I wouldn't have had that opportunity because I would have never even one gone shopping for that stuff. Two, I would have never like. known what to order if i did go to a restaurant that offered the same thing you know um and by uh, staying with her and experiencing her food i got to experiment with what i would maybe want to you know um and maybe she feeds her better self better with healthier food than i do right you know but then she also went to this community garden with her son and me and like we literally what, what was it sweet potato we pulled up uh and like we were able to take it and you know um and it was rewarding but also you learn about the food and that you got to wait for it to like get to the right you know everything and uh 
I wouldn't have had that experience if she wasn't going to this community garden, but that was like, what, an hour drive away or something. So like the gas money just to have this experience was um, kind of ridiculous, but you know, it's worth it to her and the education of her son, because now her son is connected to the earth and understands things. But the reason you have to do this is because as low income, you know, apartment dwellers, we don't have a space of our own. So the space that we have to grow something would be literally just the one foot next to the wall, like out from out from the the um, apartment. And in order to to um, you know do that, you'd have to make sure that nobody else, like, people who like to uh, keep the grounds right, they wouldn't come and disturb your garden while it was still trying to grow and all that, and not like mow it down with their mother, <laughs> you know, or like it's just kind of crazy. So it's like. Um, yeah, but if, if every, so that's another thing that people have done. I think we, we could talk about all of the different, um, there's so many different ways in which people have tried to meet this, um, this, uh, problem where people in this big cities don't have a connection anymore to the land. And I'm in a rural area and I don't have a connection because I have, I don't have any land of my own. And so, uh, (laughs) you know, everybody else is, there's people who have acres and acres near me. I can't use even like, you know, a little plot, you know. So um, it's interesting that they have like community gardens in Seattle. That was a big thing. There was a lot of community gardens where where I used to live. And you could like maybe get yourself a little plot and it could be closer to you than, you know, 45 minutes away to drive. Um, but I love the like, a lot of those. the community garden. And then uh, what about uh, restaurants taking their food? Like what about all this extra food at the end of the day? Where do restaurants, I know that there must be some places where they, the restaurants actually have a service where they, you know, somehow give the food away. Yeah, the bigger ones and whatnot. We've had a lot of, I mean, this isn't really as much about waste food, but we've had a lot of um, local restaurants that are, you know, uh, of their own volition, jumping in and being like, we're going to deliver 30 meals to three different fridges today. Like, we're just wow. going to make a bunch of meals. Uh, we also have some other um, small local, you know, local chefs or like home chefs who ha- who have uh, the ability or who have a um, uh, some kind of like ghost kitchen set up or what up or whatever where they can uh, you know package things uh, in a sanitary way and label them and all of that good stuff. Um, we also just had this is not necessarily fridge related, uh, but the same people who own Mars Brewery. There's this uh, a ama- this uh, amazing dude uh, Juan Kim. Uh, who is in there. He's uh, also got a restaurant called Kimski and there's a restaurant that is not his, but that is also in there called mom's. Um, and they've just started a community kitchen and it's straight up. It is a restaurant is a pay is what you can restaurant on um, the South side there in Bridgeport and uh, just unconditional. Like if you can pay, please do pay it forward, but you don't have to pay free food for everybody. So there it's something that a lot of us, in that world are thinking about already. And maybe that's also uh, a side effect of like, you know, farm to table became a thing, like as I was getting into the industry and uh, people are way more conscious of that um, in our scene and whatnot. So it's, it's all connected. (laughs) But there's so many, there's an explosion of all these different creative solutions to the problems that we're having. And, um, and yours is definitely an amazing one. Um, But there's also like, uh, for example, you know, I'm always interested in the communal cooking of food, too. It's, yeah. uh, 
Because then you can have that sorority of yang experience where you are, you know, watching each other do things with it. And uh, you could just have a little taste, you know, taste it. If you like it, maybe you'll you'll try uh, rather than, you know, going two hours and maybe wasting some of your food because you didn't know how quite how to handle it. So a community garden on the south side that's been doing like little skill share sort of things where somebody will come by and teach everybody how to cook a certain thing. And, you know, there's you know videos of uh, kids being like, hey, I made this for the first time today, or we, we roasted all these pumpkins or whatever. And so, yeah, it's, it's families from the community, it's kids and adults, and uh, they all get together and uh, uh, at the community garden and learn how to make things out of the stuff that they've got. So what I would like to see one day, though, is for um, an easy access to these kind of, um, you know, if, if you walked into a new city because you're a traveler or you just recently became homeless, you could literally just walk in and know about these things. Or there's like, you know, a map to all these services and, and like, make sure that, you know, no matter where you stand, this land is your land. You belong here too. And you can eat, you know, and you can uh, learn new things and meet the community. You can bond, you know, like, I feel like this is something I would love to see our society gravitate towards. Well, here's something they have in Europe, right? Uh, I had heard when you go traveling in Europe that one way to do it very cheaply is you can stay at something called the youth hostel. And I, I always wondered why we don't have a system of these things in our country. That's but, what I did. did I did that in, in uh, New Zealand, Australia, Japan, uh, Sweden, uh, England. Uh, I in, yeah. in Europe and stuff. And yeah, a lot of them are, I mean, they're in every city. There's multiple ones of them in every city. And especially uh, in towns like even what um, Bratislava gets a bad rap, first of all. Bratislava rules. Uh, but they have a big university there. So they have like 20 hostels because it's a popular stopover. So everybody can stay there if they need to. But yeah, I wish we had more of the community. I wish we had more of the youth hostel and community hostel kind of scene in the States. That would be really neat. It would be way easier to travel around the well, states. We, and we do. We have them in some states. We there's this big uh, thing called HI International, <laughs> and they're in like Chicago, New York, here in LA, yeah. Portland, Oregon. Yeah, but 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 maybe not as much as Europe, but there are in the United States as yeah. well. And I've been well because when I didn't have a passport, I went to some of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so how um so how is a youth hostel different from just a regular motel or? you know, other types of accommodation. Well, I mean, I mean, like, like th- this is a motel. This is a hotel and a, and a youth hostel somewhere in the middle because um, uh, I actually like, I, I get bored in a hotel because there'd be no one for me to talk to. So Same. a youth, a youth hostel, at least I have people to talk to. And then I just go to hotels and I pretend that I'm going to stay in them. So I just want to look at a room. So I just say like, Oh, I'm, I'm looking around. I have no intention of buying it, but like, just to make me feel good that I can afford it, I just tell them to look at one of the rooms and look out the windows and stuff and, like, look at the lobby and stuff while I stay. And then I go back and I stay at my youth hostel. So I have the whole experience. <laughs> okay, so the youth hostel sounds like uh, you would be less lonely because it's a communal uh, situation yeah, where you like have other people in your room. Because, because, because like, because what, like a ho- hotel, I think family, a youth hostel, I go alone. Go ahead, Gina. You know, so, like, usually you'll end up in uh, some kind of communal room. Sometimes it's like really communal. Like there's like a few bunk beds in there and like yeah. six people. 
random people sleeping in there. And sometimes it's a little bit more private or a little bit more whatever. But um, then there's also, you know, there's the understanding that, you know, after you have a cup of coffee in the morning, you're going to wash out your own mug or. Yeah. But, but I mean, I mean, the conversations I had with some of these people were like so interesting to like find out about where they came from. Actually, I stayed at a hostel in Hawaii. That was pretty fun. Yeah, like, like, uh, like, yeah, and 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 the best thing about it is like the money that I save while staying at a youth hostel, I use that money for everything else. I like, I like buy these fancy. Was it completely free or just discounted? No, it was discounted. It was, it's like highly discounted. So, so, so because you're sharing, so it's like a big discount. So all that money that I save from not spending somewhere that's fancy schmancy, I use on like all this other cool stuff that that the city has to do. So. It's it's a win win for me because the hotel is making board. I don't remember how much I paid, but I want to say that it was you know like I want to say like, like fifty 10 a night, euro, ten yeah, euro. That's a night? nothing. That's like what like nothing, that's yeah. like fifteen dollars, not even fourteen. Yeah. Like yeah, and you get and then you get a coupon for free shots at the uh, at the bar downstairs. Oh, oh and, and they like also that. have like <laughs> dis- discounted. They they also have discounted like tourist attractions. Oh, yeah, you can get as well. You can get discounts on on museums. A lot of them they'll have some kind of like kind of like how the library will have like you'll have like you know a museum pass that you can use. Uh, also, it's like it's run by locals, so they'll tell you all of the spots. They'll be like, yeah, go go over here. This is a really good place. This place is a little more expensive, you know. So I feel like Airbnb has hostels listed as well, right? I you feel do. like I've seen them. You can, you can book them through Airbnb, but they're they're uh, still that but, like they're not in. I mean, I mean, I I think I think this is like 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 Americans just like there's Faye, but then there's your average Americans that like are <laughs> not nomadic. There's like yeah, then and then and then there's like 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 you know they're not nomadic at all. It's like some people, it's just the same routine day in day out, and like nothing changes. Work, Netflix, sleep, breakfast, work, Netflix, eat, sleep, breakfast, because because the money never like reaches to a point where that cycle can break. That's I think that's what keeps us thing, and then it's like it's such a liberating feeling to like break a monotonous cycle of like boring stuff you have to do all the time. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that uh, that nine to five grind is what you're talking about. The nine to five, and then all the kids in school, everybody's uh, settled in a house where they don't move from place to place from year to year or month to month or day to day as, as our good friend Faye does. Um, but it's, uh, but it's like, uh, why should we preference this lifestyle to all others, right? All children must be in school. And so therefore you're tied down. Um, you know, it's, it's very strange. Is, to is me. That, that's the opposite of freedom being tied down, mm-hmm. is not freedom. I, I think there's more freedom in like Europe and Asia than in the United States where we have all these things that are tying us down. It's ironic. Yeah. There's more yeah. of like a, a, there's more of a uh, appreciation for uh, non-traditional and more like collectivist and more like those kind of right. situations. And, and even like I grew up in a Persian family and like at those times, like we were all getting in the car and going somewhere interesting or like to the beach or like a hike something or like a picnic and stuff like that. And like, because, because like appreciate that stuff. But then like later, like when my grandparents passed away, it's like, we kind of stopped doing that. And like, yeah. Well, in the United States, um, even though we have a lot of non-traditional families now and more, you know, different types of 
people in our country, uh, still there's this very, very strong, uh, even legal, you know, sort of bias towards the respectable two-parent uh, two family. Everything has to be exactly a certain, the most average possible in order for you to gain that respectability. Boring. But uh, if you go, if you ever have to go to family court or ever have to, uh, you know, uh, fight sort of some sort of legal battle, you know, your job giving you the correct amount of money, your all of these things make you the winner in the the outcome of the of the court cases right. and legal battles is going to. Oh, you're the responsible yes. one. All oh, praise to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're doing the yeah. right things. The right things. Right. Yeah. yeah, the right things. Even though the right things got us into a crisis where we have corona and race riots. Yeah, but all those right things led to this. Give me a break. <laughs> this is pretty, it's pretty, I mean, I'm mean, so, like, like the hypocrisy that, has you're to like, be. Look, you're like, look, this is the problem. And, you know, you keep ignoring what's right in front of you. Are you awake? <laughs> Are your eyes open? Are you actually looking around or are you just looking at the television <laughs> screen and they're saying oh no yeah. it's all going to be all right yeah. and like right. you know, next thing you know a zombie's walking past you i don't know <laughs> right well well it's, it's just like have, have you all seen that meme with that dog in like the house fire and he's just has his cup of day fine. fine right exactly that that's congress Right? Like, like, yeah. look, at, look at how many vacations they've took in the middle of a crisis. It's like, oh my god, my house is on fire. What should I do? You can go on vacation. Oh, okay, I'll go on vacation. So, it's like, it'll, it'll be interesting good. about that. I was just looking into bills and laws and stuff because I know nothing about them. And like, there's certain things that could get passed if they don't, um, you know, like if they aren't in session, right? And that's interesting to me. So they're like, what, purposely not going to work so that they can pass things? Is that what's happening? Yeah. Uh, sounds bad. Yeah. But I mean, sound bad. It's, it's almost like they don't like to work either. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there's a lazy... They, they, you want to talk about laziness and not doing your job? Right. Senators, congressmen, they, and, and how much money are they getting? Like, here you are doing work without getting paid and these people are getting overpaid and not even doing their own jobs. Boom. Delegating <laughs> and delegating all of the actual work to their to their staff and, and pages and things like that. It's, so the love fridge that uh, yeah, that you guys are running is actually raising as opposed to what it should be, which is, you know, making laws and making our lives better. But for the most part they have to They're just sit sitting there on their lazy money, butts. Which is not the job they were hired for, but the job that the system has created for them regardless. Like, like, like we criticize that guy on the street for saying, like, do you have some change? And all these senators and congressmen are like, please donate, please donate. How much do you want to donate? Like, so aren't you guys the lazy ones? You already yeah, have right. enough money. Why are okay. you asking it for I, I pulled it up. A bill becomes a law if signed by the president or if not signed within 10 days and Congress is in session. If Congress adjourns before the 10 days and the president has not signed the bill, then it does not become law, a.k.a. pocket veto. If the veto of the bill is overridden in both chambers, then it becomes law. So... That's what I was looking at. And it's weird because law is about all these games that people play. Once you have the rules, you play you play the game to the rules and you say, oh, technicality. technicality. Did, you guys, did you guys know? Look, if you look on Trump's calendar, he has nothing scheduled. 
even though he's technically still the president until the 20th, he's asking for a job that he's not even doing. And he's out playing golf and just bitching on Twitter all the time. He's not doing his job as president right now. And he wants to keep it for another four years. Come on. Because absolutely nothing happens now that he's uh, no longer really (laughs) in charge. Now that he's not getting real. Look, no, no, no. Jimmy Kimmel always pulls up his calendar. There's like meet and greet and nothing for like the whole rest of the day. There's like nothing on there. Come on. Well, this has been a very lively discussion. The love fridge, unfortunately, uh, is is uh, like also not a traditional family fridge. And so you have to do all this extra work to make it extra more cleaner and better than every other fridge in the world. But because you guys are doing this, uh, Chicagoans can enjoy it. Just wonderful. Um, we yeah. would we would love to. One last thing that was very convenient that we we started talking about, like, um uh, being influenced to play into this like nuclear family idea and like a certain in the nine to five and everything like that. Like that's what really, um, oh man, I had a really, I had it in my head and now it's gone. Um, oh no, I was going to say this, all, this all kind of ties back into like the mutual aid and also the idea of like, um, there not being the separation between, you know, managers and workers and everything. Ultimately, I think when you're when you're being told what to do and you're being held up by bureaucracy and everything uh-huh. and uh, all of that, uh, what you're really what they're really doing is denying you your humanity. Like when managers talk to managers, talk to workers and tell them that, like, you know, what they think doesn't matter. And they're the ones with all the ideas and stuff like that. You're ultimately denying those people humanity. So. Right. In my opinion, things like like UBI and also doing like mutual aid that seeks to um, give unconditional food or supplies or whatever is honoring people's humanity. Like right. everybody has a different way they want, different way they think, a different way they want to live their life, and trying to nail somebody down into a particular way is denying them their and, humanity. I think and, that and that's not UBI freedom. can help alleviate that. Well, I wanted to that, uh, let everyone know. That um, we are coming to the end of our uh, scheduled time together. And since we have another podcast later tonight, I want to respect everybody's uh, schedules. And I want to um, give everybody a a chance to let us know if there's some way that you would like our um, listeners to connect with you on social media or someplace else so they can continue this wonderful exchange of ideas and, you know, just uh, learning about uh, the, the things that everybody's doing. Do you have a social media platform, Gina, where you like to be contacted? I do. I am most active on Instagram. Okay. Um, my my name on Instagram is uh, Chernina. It's easy, E-R-N-I-N-A. I'll type it in the chat so you guys can link it or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just at The Love Fridge on Instagram is very, very active. And that's where we do a lot of our organizer. It's the Love Fridge Chicago, the Love Fridge Chicago dot com. I'll also put that in there. Um, and uh, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Gina from Chicago, all one word. But I'd encourage you to check out uh, the Love Fridge Chicago on Insta because that's where we post most of our news and where you'll find a lot of resources and other things that we post. Also, the Love Fridge dot com. <laughs> But I posted that in the chat as well. So if anybody wants to link it uh, to whatever social media or anything, you can find it in there. How, in how, the, how about if they put the love fridge on a love boat episode? That would be so. 
Oh my god, I would love that. <laughs> I love cheesy old TV show. <laughs> you could just reenact it for a commercial. Right, right like, yeah. The love fridge. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, Faye, uh, thank you for uh, inviting uh, our wonderful guest today. Uh, would you like to tell us about what you're doing lately? And Yeah, uh, thank you again uh, for coming on. I was really excited. The moment I heard about this project, I was like, this girl needs to get on the podcast ASAP. And then I totally dropped the ball for like a solid month. So thank you <laughs> for coming on. Thank you, um, Faye. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and other Faye. <laughs> I want everyone to know about all these projects, right? Um, so uh, right now, um, you know, uh, if you want to reach out to me on TikTok, Twitch, or Twitter, uh, it's Tisdowney, T-I-S-D-O-N-E-Y. And um, currently, um, a couple things. Uh, the first one is um, I'm trying to help someone in Kenya who's been on our podcast. His name is Vincent, and uh, he's trying to start a nonprofit out that way. Um, they need $50 to get the nonprofit status, uh, application essentially. Um, and they, they're eventually going to try and get like $10,000. Um, you know, uh, but right now they're looking for laptops. If anyone has laptops, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, either help me with money. So I have extra laptops, right. And I want to send them to them. Um, but, uh, so I have three and they need 10 for their, um, organization, uh, you know, contact me if you have any of those resources. The other thing is I'm trying to get down to Georgia to help out. Um, my biggest Patreon subscriber pulled funding due to personal circumstances. So um, I need gas, Minnie. Um, I've started to go fund me. It's on my Facebook page and I think even my Twitter. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, if you have anything to spare so I can go down to Georgia to help out there. They're trying to flip the Senate. But I really kind of just want to be a pseudo reporter for them. Uh, you know, and talk about it on the podcast so we can have like eyes on the ground and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, those are the things for me today. Wait a minute, Faye, you haven't told us about do you want people to join you on your live chats? Because I see you hop on quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they want to, um, <laughs> like I'm always I love meeting people and talking to people in any capacity. I'm really bad at like dropping the ball for like consistent communication just because I'm like doing a million things. But yes, if I'm on a live stream chat, please talk to me. <laughs> How would they find it if they wanted to uh, join your live streams? Um, so I do it on Twitch for the, um, so Twitch TV, twitch.tv backslash Faye Doney, F-A-Y-E, no, maybe that's Tiz Doney, Tiz Doney, T-I-S-D-O-N-E-Y uh, for Twitch, and that's how you can okay. find me. Awesome. Let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's get our channels <laughs> nice. up together. Uh, okay. So, yeah. uh, Joshua, are you here with us? I am. I am. I apologize. I was doing all the social media stuff. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, you can add me on uh, Twitter at Joshua Eastlake. That'd be great. Uh, and I'll be launching a YouTube channel probably within a week. So uh, it'll be uh, oh. YouTube slash uh, Joshua Eastlake. Thank you. What are you going to do with your YouTube channel, Josh? Uh, I'm talking about politics, uh, research, marketing, uh, all that stuff. So I'll be putting it all as like a. Oh, yeah. You, you definitely channel. hook up with mine. And, I, and I'm going to plug it right here. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Go ahead, Ariel. Nice. Okay, so um, you can find me at Ariel's Ariels. So that's A R I E L S A E R I A L S. I love drones and 
things that fly. Uh, and then also um, uh, youtube.com slash revolutionary thinking. Uh, I'm on there. So if you want to, I mean, uh, if uh, Gina, if you want to do the thing and talk about the love fridge, I, I, I could have you on like my channel too. Oh, and, yeah. and we can do that. I have about a thousand subscribers and, uh, yeah. And, and I just wanted to say, Gina, I hate paper. I'm done anytime. I'm happy. I love talking. Awesome. You, you, you were, you were talking love about talking, the- hate paperwork. Yeah, yeah, you were talking about the bureaucracy. Like, I can't stand that stuff. So we'll get along fine. <laughs> no. You like we're like a podcast of we're like a meta podcast of podcasters who love talking, and so we all have like our other projects going on. My name is Faye Koo, yeah. and I'm at Palestine Math on Twitter, and you can find me sometimes on Yang Game Report Live on Facebook. Uh, Mia. Hi, I'm Mia Songbird on Twitter. Um, I do Humanity Hangs Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, I am going to be doing 6 to 9 on November 30th, um, phone banking for Asaf for uh, Georgia. So if anybody is uh, interested in doing that, I will be there. We could hang out, show up, do some good for, uh, for Andrew Yang and for, you know, for the future. We need that Senate to be able to pass anything. Um, uh, yeah. Get Dark that, um, City. It's out of there. I had I had a very good Tuesday. Uh, I got to speak to Andrew Yang and had a really fun time there. So uh, if you want to go and watch that, that is on Andrew Yang's YouTube channel. You can go and see me there. Yeah. <laughs> Mia was a guest of honor, uh, one of the honored uh, special volunteers that was uh, a super volunteer. For humanity forward and humanity first movement, so and you were the thank first, you, Mia. Of the first of all of them, right? Thank like, you, Mia. The other ones, but you were like the first person. So I'm just like this girl; she's getting it. Right, yeah, so yeah. You don't even have to watch again. the whole thing if you want to see me on there. You can just like watch the first 10, 15 minutes, and then you know, for, no, watch also. Nell's on there. Nell's great. You guys know Nell Neves. Um, a bunch of really great people were on there. Watch the whole thing. Don't just watch me. Um, other than that, I'm also going to be in the future working with boys uh, on below. So watch out for that in the future. And uh, I can't that's, wait. That's everything I got. Everything. It's going to be like UIT for Yang Gang. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I love where you're sitting right now because there's all these really interesting shadows with going on. <laughs> this is the first time I've seen this yes, background. I've got my new boom mic here. Let me. Ooh, look at that. I don't know if it's even working, to be Excellent. honest. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I've got the box lights um, that are here for uh, lighting that I don't know how to use either. Whole bunch of stuff I don't know how to use. So I'll be figuring that out. Maybe maybe you should over. talk to Boyce. He knows that setup. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll be happy to help me out here in a little bit. But, I uh, can probably help I'm out. playing around with it and pretending I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, these special, I, I uh, are these special Thanksgiving presents from your family? or <laughs> Some of it was from Boyce. Uh, oh, wow. Into the low. Um, I got myself the green screen and the mic because um, the one I had was not working out too well. And I sounded like I was underwater when I was on replay. So that was not great. Uh, and, Let's get yeah, a new mic. really good... Uh, I'm having a really good time. Um, I had an inheritance that uh, finally came in, so I did. I feel bad. Oh, I oh look at that! Money fixes everything. 
I invested in myself a bit. I feel bad about it though. In a month that's or two, thing. I'm going to be sitting there. You shouldn't feel bad about it. That's the you really. That's the missing piece. You got to just give yourself permission to invest. In yeah, like like yeah. I, I I bought that. It's really, really easy to say bad. that now, but when I, I need to pay off the gas bill in a. I, I mean, I mean, I, I felt the same way when I bought that drone, but I, then I was like, no, screw it. I deserve this. I mean, I put so much of my time and effort into, you know, stuff that, that I do. And like, I put my heart and soul into things. Why don't I deserve nice things? So yeah, there's, there's no to, room for beating yeah. yourself up in such an unequal society. Yeah. Like, like, look, look at all these people, like, like Trump's just playing golf and he makes like millions for like not doing shit. So why don't I do <laughs> My other big investment so is in my house. I'm Clearly, I got to become president. Exercise bike, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I do a better job in president than him. That's for sure. I mean, I wouldn't spend all day playing golf. I'd actually uh, enjoy the job. I'd actually try and do something. (laughs) You probably have enough. You don't. You're. You don't have the Dunning Kruger where you would actually delegate important tasks to people who know what they're doing. (laughs) Right. Shale, thank you for um, for holding down and play golf. You you deserve that mic. Whatever. Go ahead. Shale, thank you for holding down the YouTube uh, stream today. I'm oh, sorry yeah. I wasn't able to, do, to get the Twitch up going. That's okay. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I had said I was going to switch. Our surprise guest the other day said, maybe the reason you're having all these problems, are you on streams? So that kind of made me think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never even tried that. restream. It's just I've heard a few bad things about it. Uh, I think it did work that one time we did it with this. Time. I don't know. Um, figure it out but yeah we're on just youtube today not but well thank, thank you, you and uh YouTube. will you take us out uh yeah uh, my name is shale my twitch well yeah, my twitter is shale riley s-h-e-l-r-i-l-y everyone spoke or listened great all of you especially guests you know it's really great to meet you you're welcome back anytime uh i post the schedule every thursday so you're welcome to come if you see someone you know and you like to speak with them or just like listen to the conversation you're like, pop on in. Very casual. So uh, okay. I'll keep it as as per usual. It's uh, with creating any kind of community. Sometimes people just need to be given permission to join on in. So you'll you'll see me around. I'm sure. Great. Nice. Awesome. Really, thank you so much, everyone, for having me on. It was so awesome to talk with you guys and meet you. And uh, I'll catch y'all on the flip side. And uh, we'll all be doing really cool stuff. So the way to join in, Gina, thank you for joining us. Every week, um, every week yeah. on Thursdays, Shale posts our schedule in the schedule chat in the text channels. See, and if you go in there, you'll see who you can be uh, looking forward to talking to the, every weekend. If you would like to join us, just awesome. hop in on this uh, voice server anytime. All right, very awesome. good. Yeah, now that I'm in the uh, in the uh, Discord here, I'll keep it uh, keep it in mind. I'll keep an eye out. Very nice. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Uh, Let's just go. go.